This is Bill Gross, the LAProbateExpert.com, and we do this probate weekly every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Guess where I am today? Guess which coast I'm on today? Well, today I'm back Pacific on the coast. I'm back on the Pacific Coast. I'm back on the, on the West Coast, the best coast. Uh, I am live from Los Angeles, California. I've spent last week in Florida learning all kinds of things about real estate investment and really getting my game up, hopefully, for the uh, for the year that's coming up here, or that second half of the year, we've got going. I feel like a baseball team that's uh, or a football team that's up at halftime, but I want to run the score up on the opposition here in the second half of the game, and look for you guys to help help us do that. One thing I say all the time is that the more that you participate, the more you get out of life, and the more you're going to get out of uh, this program, like any other program. So if you want to participate, turn your camera on. Let's do this. Let's work together. The purpose of this call is to help you be better at whether it be investing or wholesaling or being a real estate agent. And feel free to contribute to the, to the group by asking questions. If there's anything you don't understand, we do stream this live to Facebook and YouTube and record it and send it out as well. But the real value for those of you who participate, if you are watching us on Facebook or YouTube, if you put in the chat box, or if you're here on the Zoom call directly, uh, if you put something in the chat box, we'll ask that question. We'll try to at least and put it up in the notes as well and participate. So glad to have you guys on the call today. Really excited to share a couple of things. I was at Grant Cardone, uh, who has an uh, interesting story. I think I may share a little bit about it. Um, I was at his real estate conference Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week in um, Aventura, Florida, which is near Miami. And it was an amazing event. He had 2,000 people there, a live event. Now, Florida's, it's like COVID never happened. Uh, I'd say out of 2,000 people, about 100 wearing masks and the rest weren't, for whatever that means. Uh, huge room, it's always fun to be live with all those people. Um, I knew Grant primarily as a motivational speaker. Um, I met him, true story, 11 years ago. I was cold calling expired, like many of you guys do as a real estate agent. You just buy a service, you download the numbers, you dial them, you call them one after another. And I knew my script. And this guy picks up, he says, do you know who I am? I said, no. I said, he said, I'm Grant Cardone. You don't know me? I said, no. He said, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I said, this is 11 years ago. I said, no, I, I've never heard of you. And he explained what he did. He, he had, had been in car sales and then he became a car sales sales training coach. And then he went on to become what I would call a, you know, a secular sales coach outside of any section. He sold, he taught sales to anybody basically. But what I didn't know was at that time that he was taking the money he was making and putting it into real estate. Now I called him on a listing he had up on Oriole in Hollywood, which was an expired listing. He talks about it a lot. He lived next door to Leo DiCaprio and Dr. Dre. And on that listing, I called him. Well, this week on Monday, uh, I happened to be sitting next to an agent I didn't recognize at the time, Valley Fitzgerald, who was the agent that sold him that property. And they're talking about it and he couldn't remember the name of the street and neither could she. And I said, out loud, Oral Avenue. He goes, yes. How do you know how we met? I said, well, not really, we've met, but I called you and I cold called you and you uh, hung up on me, but you mentioned your book and I bought it and loved it. And then I bought his next book, 10X. And I always thought of him as primarily a sales trainer, but what I've come to learn is he is an expert in real estate investment, an absolute master at real estate investment and creating wealth. And one of the things he taught was that you can be a real estate agent like I am or a wholesaler or a flipper for your income, but that does not have to determine where your wealth goes. 
I'm a probate-based real estate agent by day, and that's where I make my income and hopefully enough money to support my family and have money left over. The leftover money I need to put into wealth-building activities, and based on everything I saw, his presentation was amazing, and I'm not an easy person to convince, uh, was the best place to build wealth is a multifamily property, certain types. And he went through what that looks like and how that works. And I don't want to go through a whole presentation on that other than invite you to follow him. He's an amazing teacher, an amazing coach. I was put off a little bit by his style and delivery, a little rough for me, a little swearing. and But that's where he came from. He came from ghetto, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I believe along the way, he's brought a lot of people with him, a lot of people from his, his hometown, a lot of people from his background. A lot of, he was raised by a single mother. He reaches out to kids being raised by single mothers. And so I was really impressed with everything I saw. I felt like he really walked the walk. Uh, I was there for a week. It was really a fantastic experience that I would urge you guys to participate in. Uh, so anyhow, a couple things, a couple takeaways from that. One, your, your wealth is different than your income. You can do anything. You can be a secretary, a janitor, barber, real estate agent, flipper, investor. That's what you do for your income. You got to do enough of that to make enough money to have extra left over and put that to work for you, hopefully creating long-term income, passive income, you're reinvesting, and that's how you create wealth. And don't get the two confused. I've had the two confused. Now, I do flip a couple properties a year, but stupid me, I would take the profits put in the stock market or put the, the profits put in the bank. And they've done okay, but they don't get the benefit of the real estate appreciation. So that wasn't the one thing I took away. Second thing he said was, it's all about the deal. You can overcome bad financing. You can overcome a lot of problems if you have a great deal, but you got to find the deal. If you're an investor or a wholesaler, or even a real estate agent, you got to find a property that somebody has to sell. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen, right? Another phrase he repeated over and over again that I've heard many times, but just repeat that, contracts equals what? I'm sorry. Contacts equals contracts. Contacts equals contracts. Talk to more people, make more money. Contracts. Contacts. One, one of the things he said over and over again also is now this is his style. Go big or go home. No, 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 no. That means quit. Go big or go bigger. And what he means by that as a real estate agent or as an investor wholesaler, what he's saying is, if you're going big or you think you've gone big and you're not getting the results you want, you need to go bigger. More contacts, more hours, more mail, more whatever. That will solve all your problems. That's the premise of his- 10X rule. His 10X. Book. You have a problem, if you do 10X of the good stuff, it will solve the problem for you, right? So he said it over and over and over again. Too many investors focus on finding investors, finding uh, uh, lenders, finding their team. I get called all the time. Do I know a title friend, an uh, uh, investor friendly title officer? Let me tell you something. If you have a good deal, every title officer will be friendly. If you don't have a good deal, none of them are friendly. Simple as that. You have a good deal, investors will line up to lend you money. If you don't have a good deal, they'll find a million ways to tell you, your deal's no good, I'm not gonna lend you money. So it's all about the deal. So anyhow, that's some highlights. He has a, uh, constantly has what I would call a, a funnel of free programs and low price programs and then more involved. His real estate investment club that meets together three times a year live. And then on the phone, I think 
every other week and they pitch deals to each other, $25,000 a year. It's a lot of money. Now, but if you're investing a couple million dollars a year, that's the price to play. And that's the price to use his team rather than your, build your own team. So fascinating experience. I'd be glad to share with anybody if you have any questions in particular. Um, but I uh, just wanted to share that with you guys today. Grant Cardone's real estate investment. He has a uh, sales and marketing um, uh, boot camps once a month at Aventura as well. I'll be going to those in December. Uh, and he does a real estate conference once a year. This is a fantastic experience. Okay, so I want to talk to you about something. But anyway, before we get started, any questions that are probate related before we jump in too deep? Hey, Miguel, how you doing? Nice to see you. Miguel comes from Central California, but he's got the fancy Caribbean uh, background there. You may have any questions, any uh, comments, problems, anything we, we can jump on before getting into my content today? No? If you do at any time, put, feel free to un unmute yourself, ask a question, put it in the chat box. I'd be more glad to... Uh, to reply if there's any questions at all. And again, if you're watching live, uh, just want to finish the sentence. And if you're watching it live right now on YouTube or Facebook, if you chat there, it'll show up here as well. William May, go ahead. What do you got? Um, yeah, so I'm making more probate calls, but um, maybe I need to tweak it a little bit on how to, you know, you know, 90 or 80 percent of them need to probably sell their real estate at some point how to um when they say hey we don't need any help right now or whatever um kind of like i guess like how am i uh what is my question it's like how to get more i guess more personable you know like breakthrough or just get past that initial no or whatever uh guess i guess like build that relationship so they know you like you and trust you in, in some of ways because like when i'm calling i don't it's not like it expired or for sale by owner or cold calling it's a different animal you have to be empathetic you have to ask questions and you have to offer service. It's like, well, hey, I, what is the toughest thing you're going through right now? How can I help? And I don't want to be like a, a ambulance chaser. I want to show value. So can, can, can I give you a little coaching on this? I know you personally. Yes. I get a personal. So for those of you listening in, I mean, I, William and I have known each other for years and he's been on this call regularly. So you said something that I don't think is, that you really don't believe is true, which is, you said that you know they're different, but I think you're trying to treat them the same. Because really, you're trying to treat the probate like it's expired, like they're gonna make a decision right now. And what I can tell you is that I do believe expireds are more likely to list right away. And probates take longer to list than you think they do. But when you look at the data- Follow up. Yeah, it is a relationship. You try to treat it like a transaction and wonder why they don't like you in a relationship. I'm trying not to because I know it's different. But the average time for a property sold in probate is about two years from the file date. And so you're on the phone after 90, 30 days, 60 days, wondering why they want to sell now. And the answer is they don't want to sell now. They think they want to keep the property. They haven't discovered they really don't. They think they're going to get letters right away. It might take a year. There's a lot of reasons going on. Uh, it is a possibility, 
but I deal with them all the time. I'm calling the same list you are. I'm also, I'm also calling them from the other side, from the attorney side. And I could tell you that more of them don't plan to sell than you would imagine, but they do sell two years later. And so when you have the relationship and stay in, in relationship with them, they come back to you a year later. Hey, I talked to you about a year ago, and you know, we decided we do want to sell the property. We rented it, we didn't like renting it. It only takes one renter to realize you don't want to rent a property out. Right? right. It just takes one. Everybody, everybody thinks, oh, it's easy. I'll put a guy in there and I'll just walk in my mailbox in the first of the month, open the envelope, deposit the check, life is good. Yeah, well, it doesn't really normally work out quite that easy. Not to a first time renter or first time uh, landlord. So there's a lot of reasons why they don't sell right away, but they sell after a year or two. You've got to have a system in place to stay in touch with them forever, or at least two years, I would say. If you're the postcard budget, say, well, Bill, I'm going to spend $1,000 on postcards. Great. You better budget out at least six months before seeing results consistently and probably out two years or you're giving up too soon. And you should include a system that drives them to email and social media so you can stay in touch with them more cheaply. Right. And then also, too, I try to, sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Also, too, if I have a good conversation, uh, like uh, somebody I referred to you, I try to uh, meet them face to face. So that way I have a little bit more belly to belly, face to face type of situation. And even if they don't decide to sell, put them in my database to try to, like you said in one of your other videos, you know, try to have a, a relationship with them because you could build your database as a future business as referrals or something like that. So that's what I'm trying to do too, is work on the probates. If they don't want to sell, maybe have a good relationship that build up a, uh, like my father used to say, if you have a good relationship, the money will take care of itself. So Absolutely. if I'm doing, if I'm uh, being a good relationship and, you know, being a resource, maybe down the line, they'll have a referral for me. So that's Absolutely. what I'm trying to do, fine to my database with probate. Uh, your, your father's absolutely right about a lot of things, and certainly that one. So you take care relationship and, and everything takes care of itself. I think that's the challenge. So how do you do that? And I, I'll just share with you like my systems. Like I have an email I send out to every retail consumer I meet for the rest of my career. So if I ever talk to you on the phone or meet you and get your email, you're going to get email. I used to get those. Stuff. I miss those. Well, if you change companies or unsubscribe or they bounce, I don't know. But, you know, uh, it, but, uh, but if you re-register in, now, again, I don't, I don't necessarily include all realtors. Uh, I, I, I'm glad to include you personally, I mean, amongst the 10,000 realtors I know. But in general, because I've had realtors take what I do and copy it and send it out to their database, that's kind of awkward when somebody says, well, no. you copied so-and-so stuff. No, I didn't. Um, I guess I can't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I email out every week to all of them. Everybody, I, I meet somebody on a, a Tuesday. I talk to them on the phone, especially now, COVID time. I get their email. They're getting an email Monday morning from me in my regular consuming email. And then I'm hoping to get them into social media. Uh, and I invite them to this call and my Tuesday investing call to get them into my social media. And then once they see me, I ha- I'll tell you a, cu- a cute story. I grew up with a guy. We were in grade, religious school together, grade school and high school. Went to USC together. We both graduated, did a lot of business together. Then he and I become the president of the bank. I, I work with his field reps. I don't work with him anymore. 
he's a very powerful guy. I call him once in a while. We chat once every year or so. Um, but I, I'm not gonna call him every 90 days and ask him for referrals. It's just, we don't have that kind of relationship. Anyhow, I was in Florida, Turnberry Island, beautiful resort. Saturday night, I walk out past the valet. I bump into him. We haven't talked on the phone in, probably for two years now, but once a year or so. And I haven't seen him probably in person for at least 10 years, maybe 15. But he says to me, I see you all the time in social media. That's the power of social media. And I know you're at the Mike Furry event and he doesn't really talk about it. Big mistake, because he uses it for his business. But if you want to get the rat, the rat race of having to call three hours a day, you've got to build relationships. Well, how do you stay in touch with people? How do I stay in touch with my own daughter? She sees me on YouTube and comments on it. Friends, family, uncles, cousins, as well as business associates. And so you gotta use the power of that, but you gotta get them into your system forever. It's a relationship, not a transaction. So your question up front was how to make them not like expireds and FISBOs. You're treating like they're the same, they're not. And if you're really trying to dig deep with them, it's about a relationship. And you've got to have the systems in place to build those relationships. Right. Certainly in, in business today, that means an email campaign and a social media campaign. Maybe I'll make more like videos, either for yeah. probate or real estate, yeah. to something that stands out or something yeah. like that. Okay. Video sick. Somebody had a question, but yeah, video sick. Yeah, ABL is Miguel. Yeah, Miguel, what's up? Hey, buddy. Um, this, uh, quick question. Miguel's not really on that Caribbean Island, by the way, he's actually working hard. Hardly working, hardly working. <laughs> hey, uh, just, uh, can you share with us, uh, what do you, how do you manage your, uh, social media? Do you have an assistant? Do you have a virtual assistant? Do you work uh, 24 seven? Do no. you have, a? Uh, I mean, how do you do it? Just take Saturdays off. Yeah, well, for number one, I'm off sundown Friday to Saturday night. I work five and a half days a week, pretty intensely. I work Monday through Friday, finish at five o'clock, and I, I work half a day on Sunday. Sunday is usually when I'm doing my content for the week. Um, I, I do not have a so I didn't hire somebody to do my social media. I did it myself. I think the number one thing about social media is it has to be authentic to you. And so uh, when I go to court, I always wear a suit and tie when I was Managing real estate agents as a wear a suit and tie, but that's not me in this business today. I work more with investors. I go to some pretty tough areas as far as property. You can't wear a suit and tie and go to 120th Street in Vermont and sell property and expect to get out alive. I don't think that's my. That's uh, I'm on 99, uh, 92nd in Vermont. Okay, okay. Well, you're tough. Century in Vermont. Yeah, that's. I, I'm just a I'm just a white Jewish kid from uh, Orange County. I'm a little scared to go down there, so. I'm going to blend a little more and put a baseball cap on. Well, that, now you know where to throw your referrals. There you go. There you go. Um, but also in terms of tonality and, and your authenticity of your message. And so I'm not going to you know, dance around. That's just not my style. Uh, and I'm, if you know me, I mean, I'm, I'm very family oriented, but that's not my style to share that. My style is to be educational and professional and, and, and try to help people, whether it be a customer or, or a, a investor, wholesaler, petitioner, attorney help them with their business, help them with their transactions and come from education. That's my authentic message. So your social media has to be consistent with that. So this format that I use works for me. It wouldn't work for everybody. I do think the power of video is those, those people who know you, like you and trust you are gonna consume more of you. You make yourself available, people take it in. I was very uncomfortable doing video when I started, but I had a coach who pushed me to do it. And so I just started, 
you know, I did a swim video, I did a walking video, some market updates. I kind of found my voice and my format. And some of you may say, hey, that just, you know, what you're doing doesn't work for me. That's fine. I got to tell you something. It's working for me. It is sick how many people I can contact per week now because of the, because of the power of social media. Not because I'm all that, but anybody who appreciates what I am, more of those people can see me and interact with me than ever before. So I do use um, a virtual assistant to help me that I got off of uh, Upwork and Fiverr. I use Fiverr to do some of the graphics and some of the kind of administrative tasks. I use Upwork to find a part-time virtual assistant to come on the calls and help with some of the login and, and um, posting and things like that. Nothing really complicated, nothing I did do on my own first and then learn how I want it done because you clearly can't teach somebody to do something unless you've done it yourself, unless you're gonna hire somebody to manage the whole project. Uh, I've just seen too many real estate agents not get satisfactory results hiring social media experts. And I think the other thing I would say about the social media experts I've seen for sale are experts at their style of social media, not yours. The only one that matters is yours. And I think that's part of it is we think of it as social media. I would just say today, it's really just about communicating with people using modern tools rather than just the tools that were available in 1980. And, and, and I think that's just the difference. You don't need somebody to, you know, to, to, uh, to focus on Facebook or YouTube. I don't use TikTok at all. I don't really use Instagram, to be honest. It's just not, it's just not authentic to me. And I know there are people who kill it on Instagram, and, and I'm happy for them. But it's just not my, my people aren't there, and my style isn't going to play well there. I play well on LinkedIn, and I do real well on YouTube. I try to stay with that. So I think you have to be you know, uh, genuine to yourself. And, um, but I also would say this. You've got to get into it. You have to come from being a service, I think, and, uh, and get off of yourself. Too many people, I, I just tell agents, I do, a, I do a workshop for the agents of my team. And on the phone call, I'll just say, right now, stop. I, I'll give all you guys this opportunity. Um, just stop right now. Take your phone out. Just shoot a video for a minute or two about what you're doing. You're on a phone call, learning about probate. With, uh, right now, we have uh, four, 38 agents, investors, and wholesalers from across the country learning how to be a better agent, and send it to me. Let's just look at it. You don't have to post it. And then once I get it, I say, okay, now we've got to post it. You went on Facebook or YouTube. And then once you do that, you do another one, then you do another one. It's just as simple as that. you got to get started somewhere. The first one's going to suck. You're going to hate it. Uh, but you get better at it over time. And then you learn how to use certain tools to leverage your time. So, for example, you know, I used to just do a Zoom call. Then I did Zoom and live streamed it. Uh, now I live streamed a couple different channels at the same time. So those are tools I've learned along the way. You don't got to start with that. But um, I'm planning actually a social media workshop for uh, my team that will invite uh, guests to join in if they're interested. So stay tuned for that down the road. Hope I answered your uh, Who asked that question? Is that Miguel? Hope that answered your question a little bit. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anything else on that? Or does that cover what you're looking for? Yeah, it, looked, it was really good. Okay, good. Thanks. And Giselle got a thumbs up. Did you have any, do you have a question? Uh, need to know where your audience is at. So, uh, Giselle, are you part of my audience? Excuse me? I saw I'm your sorry. thumbs up. Does that mean you're part of my audience? Uh, yes, because I found you, like, online as well. And I really do appreciate, you know, the knowledge that you're sharing on these calls. I think this is, like, my third call that I've joined in on. And, you know, I've learned, you know, just different bits and nuggets that you've dropped. So, well, so you. I do appreciate that, you know. And, of course, as you said, you know, the power of social media. You know, that's how I found you. I found you on, a, on Eventbrite. It's crazy. It's crazy. The whole thing is just crazy. I, I find it. Look, and I, 
you know, I think you, you, I'm not seeing this put myself down, but I'm not the most charismatic guy in the world. That's not my strength. I'm, I'm probably smarter than the average bear. No, to share you're very that. charismatic. <laughs> well, I think charisma comes across when you're genuine and you have something to share. But I'm just saying, you're not going to look, if a crowd of people, you're not going to pick me out as to be any kind of a, of a social media uh, influencer. But the reality is in the small world that I'm in, uh, because I know the material and I'm willing to share it, uh, it's, it's created a following for me. It's really created a tremendous business opportunity and allowed me to expand my business outside of uh, my geographic area. Okay, got a question from uh, Carlos. Need a good probate attorney? I get this question all the time. And I know when I answer the question, it sounds like an evasion, but what I would say is um, saying you need a probate attorney is like saying you need a doctor. Well, what kind of doctor? You know, if you need a doctor because God forbid you have cancer, saying you to the world's best orthopedic surgeon isn't going to help you. And if you broke your wrist, saying you to a brain surgeon isn't going to help you. And I really believe that too many people make the mistake of going to a general attorney who they might not like, know, and trust, might be a great attorney in some things, but probate is a very specific business, number one. Number two, most people don't need a probate attorney. They really need a probate service. I would say 85%, 90% of my experience of customers are better served not going to an attorney, but using a probate service like easy-probate.com. And so I tell people, let me talk to you about your case and let's, let's talk about what's going on there and find the right referral for your client or for you, rather than just generally say, oh, here's, a, and I could promote any number of attorneys just to get them some leads and make some money on it, but that's not me. Uh, I'm glad to send you to the right attorney or not send you to an attorney and not get the referrals. And I'm sure I lose some business in a sense by doing it that way, but I feel good about what I do. And in the long run, my customers are better served that way. So I would say, um, to you, uh, Carlos, if you have some specific um, uh, questions about an attorney in a particular case, call me offline. I'm glad to um, try to help you find the right answer to that question because it is going to vary based on who you are and what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't see any other questions open right now. I wanted to talk today about, no, yes, no, no. Good. Okay. So I want to talk today just briefly uh, about 10 minutes or maybe 11 minutes. 11 ways to buy probate real estate. Because I think everybody on this call either wants to invest in real estate or should want to invest in real estate. Is there anybody here who does not want to buy real estate? Maybe who, who would not like to flip a property, and make money on it, or find a property and hold it for long term? I think we all want to. Either we do that for our business, for commissions. Head southeast on Village Drive toward Live Oak Avenue, then turn right onto Live Oak Avenue. Um, I think either we want to do it on I-10 West for 11 miles. Okay, let me get that. I just lied. Yeah. Maybe they're going to a probate. <laughs> it might be, but they better meet themselves anyhow. So what I wanted to share is 11 ways to buy probate real estate, which is as opposed to being sellers. Now, I often focus on how to get listings, because I'm a listing agent. And I think that um, uh, the money as an agent is definitely listings as opposed to buyers. But I think that, that um, uh, for those of you who want to invest in real estate, or as a realtor, you should want to invest in real estate or find good investments for your clients, how to buy property becomes important as well. So I want to share with you today kind of some ideas on how to, oops, can you guys see my screen? 
Yep. Yes. 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 Good. yes. yes. Yes, so, okay, so we talked today about uh, we've got the top screen here, which is 11 ways to buy probate real estate as opposed to sell. Yes. Okay? And so what I want to say is that what does it look like when you find a lead or a potential deal in, in probate real estate? What does it look like? How are you going to know when you have a deal versus uh, you're, you're um, uh, at a dead end? And I think that oftentimes probates are ways to convert leads you otherwise think are dead deals. So sometimes you'll talk to somebody on the phone and say, well, I'm not the owner. My grandma left it to me. I don't have title of property. I can't sell it. My, it's my grandma's name. Or uh, my siblings are fighting over the property. My parents passed and left it to us, and we're fighting over the property. Or the property is supposed to be in a trust, but it's not, so it's an illegal quagmire. We're not sure what to do with it. And the fourth one is we started a probate, but we got stuck. And so a lot of real estate agents avoid probate because it sounds, this sounds like a lot of work. To me, this sounds like opportunities. These are golden opportunities to make a lot of money. Why is that? Because grandma left me the property. The solution is to help them through probate. Lend them money maybe, advance them money for expenses. Number two, if the siblings are fighting, you wanna find the right attorney. And here's where people say they need an attorney. You need the right attorney. You need an attorney who's a probate litigator attorney, as opposed to just a probate attorney. A probate attorney might file cases and administer the probate. A probate litigator is good at fighting in court, either fighting off other people or objecting to probate to get their person to have certain authority to certain results. Third point of the right attorney. Number three, it's supposed to be a trust, but wasn't. Here in California, we have a process called a Hegstead petition. The problem with that is this court schedules out Hegstead positions, uh, petitions today six months. So they can, they can know the right solution, file the, the petition today. They're not going to get a hearing until July. If it was contested, that could be a mess. So that's a whole, a whole difficult area. And for as we start a probate, but we're stuck in the mud. And the solution might be to help them find the right attorney or the right service to resolve the problem. So that's what leads look like. But let's talk about 11 ways to buy a property. Number one's pre-probate. So the people I know who do the most probate as buyers, whether investors, is they're chasing after probates before they get in, before probates filed. There's data sources, probate daily is one of them that sells pre-probate data and successors data, successors data is another one. I actually know the owner of both of them. And people will market to them. Sometimes they'll, they'll market a database that has two or three different data points merged together, mortgage for uh, mortgage lates and uh, uh, probate, pre-probate. Pre-probate means somebody died and that name appears in that address as owning the property. And so all that is is when somebody died, it doesn't mean that necessarily it's a probate. It could be the wife now has the property. It could be as a trust that transfers through the trust. But this is, this is where anytime somebody dies, people are more likely to sell a property. And so these are where marketers who do pre-probates make a living. And so there's a number of different ways to play that game. And, and, and I should back up and say, I'm gonna show you 11 different ways, any one of which is really a business and each of which require really some depth as to understand how to deal with them. I've, I've done, I think most of them, uh, and I've, or I have clients who do, including me, all of them, and so you really need to, it's the devil's in the details or the divine's in the details, but I'm gonna cover at a high level and pre-probates is one where 
if you're an investor wholesaler working at this full time and your goal is to buy or flip, you know, a property a month or two, this could be a way to, this would be the best way, I think, to attack um, probates. Number two is probate leads marketing to petitioners. This is a standard program most of, who, most of you who are in the business are familiar with. You get offered data by MTI or Paul Horn or alltheleads.com. You buy it and you call or mail or market to the petitioner, right? This is one of the two most common techniques used. Number three is the other one, use that same data and market to the attorney. Most people find it difficult. There's, I, I only know one guy who's in the last few years built a business on this one. He's actually on the call looking uh, behind, but I'll leave him, uh, I don't wanna you know, call him out unless he wants to uh, include himself. But for most, people, for most people, uh, this is a difficult road to go because attorneys are different animals. And unless you understand how they act and how they work and are willing to come meet them at their spot, it, it, the companies who sell the data make it sound very easy, but it, it's, not a, it's not that easy, is what I would say. Yet, if you learn how to market attorneys, and this is one where I spend a lot of my time, it can be very productive. I'll just share with you, I listed a how. I uh, listed a house and sold a year ago, well, pre-COVID, so I guess a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, it must be a year and a half ago. Where I had gone to court and I'd seen the case, I saw both attorneys, I contacted both of them because they were, they were fighting. They agreed to let me list the property, I sold it, and then the litigation continues and I got called in as a witness. Now, most people these days, when they witness, would rather go via video than going in person. In my case, let, last week, I was called as a witness on Tuesday this week. I was in Florida, I had no choice. I had to be in video. But what did I have a choice of? I had a choice to make sure I had the right equipment. I wouldn't make the best impression I could. I had the choice to bring a little stand to get the camera at the right angle so I could stand and have positive energy. I had the choice to bring my good camera with me. When I went to Florida, I packed the right equipment. But when I had a choice to find out the right technology, knowing that Wi-Fi stinks in hotels, there's a little service you can use, take your phone, add it to the Wi-Fi in the hotel room to get better connection. So my video worked really well while the attorneys were having technical problems. I looked like the video, the video Jedi. Also, <laughs> even though I went to Florida for a week and I packed nothing to wear for myself, but polo shirts and shorts and tennis shoes, for that one day, dark suit, white shirt, silk tie, I looked the part. You might say, well, that's a lot of work just to be a witness on a, on a hearing. Would you believe the next day, so that was Tuesday was the hearing. One of the attorneys the next day sent me a nice lead for a listing, not a, well, I guess it is a probate technically. Um, it's a probate just to trust, but anyhow, it's being litigated, but a listing lead and I'm meeting the client a week from tomorrow. The next day I got that lead. Coincidence? I think not. So market, Marketing to attorneys is more than just cold calling them and talking and using a mic first script and adapting it. It's really about understanding your, your prospect and giving them what they want. Okay. So, and if I went to buy this property, I could agree to, you know, I'm not an investor in this case, but I could have offered to both of them and say, hey, you know what, for that price, I'll buy it. We're going to market it in this case. Okay. Probate leads to marketing. Number four, any questions so far? I know I'm going kind of fast here. I don't mean to. Um, no. Some of those um, references uh, in the beginning of your um, uh, your talk, those are the same 
things I, I guess I didn't communicate correctly on what signs I should look for, even though they're they're saying, hey, we don't we don't need your service or anything, but this the the things you was talking about that are good um signs to be um potential sales are the same signs that you can uh list their property because they they do need your help so that's good because it's kind of funny you don't know what you don't know but when you explain it it's like yeah that's what i was trying to articulate okay well look i think again i would say that Relationships are, are, are a process, not a phone call or a transaction. And uh, in the case of, of uh, like I said, the lead that I did yesterday, most agents, when they're buying or selling property with court, will come in via video. I go to court if I can. Again, I could this week because I was in Florida. But why would I not go to court in front of the judge, try and meet the attorney? I'm the only realtor in the room. Like, that's what you want to be. If you, yeah. And then your belly to belly with the other uh, uh, attorneys. What are you saying about my belly there, William? What are you saying about that? Come on. <laughs> Be nice. No, I'm not talking about your belly. Face to face. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we don't talk belly to belly. That's, I, I've heard something about belly, belly to belly. Yeah, and I think that that's the goal. And again, if your goal is to market attorneys, then you, I'm in the business of marketing to attorneys. So when I have a chance to meet them at court, of course I'm going to go. For the, if you're not, there's no reason to go, but most agents don't go. They don't even know what's going on. They don't even know what, what you know, don't have a chance to learn. But I think a few of the really smart ones go regularly. Okay, so that was number four, number, I'm sorry, number three. So again, to, when I go back to this list, one was pre-probates, two and three are what most of the companies will sell you and tell you to do. Number four is MLS full authority. You know, I literally talk to real estate investors every day, uh, every work day. And, uh, and I was at Grant Cardone's event in Florida and talked to a bunch of investors there. And they all tell me the same thing. When I say, well, what's the number one place you find deals? What do you think the answer is? The number one? MLS, full authority? MLS. <laughs> well, not full authority, but MLS. I literally, an hour ago, was talking with my best investors. And he said, come on, Bill, send me some deals. I said, well, I'm sorry, man. I was out of town for a week and I was... You know, and, and the truth is, I was in New York before that. I've been working on my business, but I'm not really in the in fine investor deal business. I've been listing property more lately. Come on, Bill, send me a deal, right? And, and he, he goes, I, I just bought, put six properties in escrow in the last month, and you're not at any of them. So I asked him, well, where do they come from? They're all from the MLS. I have a buyer I was working with who's an investor, and we were making an offer of property. And she told me today, hey, I just want to make sure you know I made an offer of property without you. Because I went directly to the listing agent and uh, just felt like one of those deals. And I got it and it was a great deal. Where'd you find it? I said, great. Where'd you find it? The MLS. So, so as a probate agent, if your goal or probate investor or wholesaler, if your goal is to buy property, make sure you look at the MLS. Full authority just means there's no court approval needed. Some, why is this a good way to look? Because some buyers will back off just because it says probate. They don't know what it means. They just ignore it. So instead of 100% of the market looking at it, maybe 98%, maybe 95% of the market looks at it, 5% miss it. You just lowered your competition a little bit. You just buy it a little bit cheaper. Yes, William. And then also too, you said, regardless if it's full authority or uh, limited authority, it can only be listed for 90 days or 60 days or 
what was the California the lie is that a, a probate listing, it says right on the form. I challenge agents all the time, just read the form. Let's just start training with that. You want to train, you want to be a listing agent probate? It, step one, the go, to your, go to zip forms. Two, download the form. Three, read it. Four, ask me any questions. It's right in the form. It can only be 90 days. And, and, and really, by law, if your listing agreement is more than 90 days, uh, all the customer have to say is, well, this is invalid. It's more than 90 days. And they'd be right. The listing contract is valid. Yeah. Now, good question. Well, what if it's 90 days? You know how you have some months with 31 days and some with 30. So what if you went like from, I don't know, March, March 1st through uh, uh, June 1st? Technically, it's more than 90 days, right? Because you have March 31 days and May 31 days is invalid. That's a different question. I don't know, three months versus 90 days. But I do know that a six-month listing is invalid for sure. That I know for sure. Now, you can extend the listing, but you just can't list it for longer than 90 days. Okay, MLS full authority. So all I'm saying is, if you're an investor, wholesaler, but why would you look at MLS uh, for probates in particular? Answer, if you want to become an expert in probate, of course, that's where you're going to look at. Right? Of all the properties in MLS, I make sure I look at every probate deal, just in case it's something I like, because then I get two things. I get a good deal, and I learn a little bit more probate. Who's the attorney? Who's the customer? The process? It's like, it's like a two-for-one. For, as far as I'm concerned, right? So MLS full authority. Now MLS limit authority, and there's two ways you can play this. I only recommend the second way. You can play this game, and some investors do, by getting on them early and being the original bidder on the theory that other investors won't overbid you because they don't be bothered going to court and going through all those hassles. The problem is your money is tied up at some point uh, for typically 30 days or longer. And if the attorney and or the petitioner don't know what they're doing, it could be months and months and months of your money tied up. And that means you run the risk of the market turning while you're in escrow. That's what happened pre-COVID. I had buyers who were in escrow. When COVID hit, they were delayed six months. They assumed that would be bad and they're begging to get out of their deals. Unfortunately, none of them actually were able to cancel and they all closed for their benefit because it worked out. So, so um, uh, definitely limit authority is something to look at. The second way is at court. Somebody makes an offer on the property, the state accepts it subject to court approval. They schedule the court approval process. They go to court and say, hey, we have an offer. Would you please approve it? The judge says, anybody here want to pay that price plus 5% and 500 bucks? And I show up with an investor, we raise our hand and say, yeah, we'll pay that price. And we have a cashier's check for 10% right here and we're waiving all contingencies. I'm giving you a summary of a long process, but that's the short version of it. Uh, yeah, Josh, I'm sorry, you're right. It's on the addendum. Um, uh, but, but my point is on the limited authority, the, there's two ways to play that. I'd recommend the second way to play that. Wait till it gets to court and overbid, if that's something you're interested in. As an investor, if you're interested in playing that game in LA County, I'd love to talk to you about it. I track every single uh, court sale in LA County and I've probably represented buyers and bought more than than anybody but maybe me or one other agent. Okay, number six is court confirmation sales and auctions. Ooh. So number five really is buying it before it gets to court. Number six is waiting it gets to court and buying it there as an auction. So one, again, that's the confirmation process. Somebody did number five, bought the property as soon as it went on the market, 
They wait around for 90 days or so. Number six is you walk in and say, I'll pay that price plus 5% 500. Here's 10% in cashier's check. We've already seen the property, we have our contingencies. And then unless they overbid you, there's an auction, uh, you get the property. And I think I do, I do about one of those a month. I wish I could do more, it was great business. It's got a little more competitive. Seven courthouse farming, obviously can't be done today. Uh, can't be done today for sure. It couldn't be done, maybe it could have been a little bit more a week or two ago. But uh, I used to go to court every day and, and just like a real estate agent might farm a residential neighborhood, I would farm the courthouse. And I knew investors who walked the courthouse looking for realtors, looking for deals, looking for attorneys, looking for estates. Uh, and that's another way to get business. And again, a reminder, I think each one of these is a business and you can do one or two of them and go deep on them. I'm not suggesting do all 11. And I'm not suggesting that I'm gonna give you all the details on a phone call today. I have a limited amount of time. But I'm just trying to give you the possibilities to think about adding one of these pieces of the puzzle to your business. Eight, you can buy uh, properties by servicing people who need living trusts. Who needs living trusts? Mostly people with wealth, 8% of all wealth and trust is in real estate. And so if you're an attorney, this is a great way to generate leads. If you know an attorney, great way to generate leads. Invite people to come to a seminar on living trusts. Help them get a low-cost living trust option or a sophisticated one. Help call to confirm the appointment before they show up for the appointment. Hey, by the way, if you'd like, I can pull for you the actual deeds of your real estate uh, uh, property. So if you want to move forward, you can give them the attorney right on the spot and get the process started. I don't charge for that service. You pull the properties up, you can take a look at it. And they might say in the course of that, I got these eight properties and six are from my father and I really don't want them. Hey, would you consider cash offer for them right now? So again, this is another way that one can talk to owners of property and catch properties off market by offering living trust to consumers or your centers of influence. Number nine is living trust from attorney referrals. You can go to an attorney who does a business and probate administration or trust administration and offer to help market them by offering living trust to their customers. Armadura, is it Rachel? I saw you raise your hand up or is that just stretching? Just stretching, okay. Um, uh, number 10, COI referrals. Obviously, if you know something about probate, you've been to my class, you take a training class, let everybody you know know about it. Power of social media is uh, you, you tell people that you're involved in probate real estate, that, that you do one of these other 11 methods, and you're going to have a friend or family member say to you, hey, you know about probate? I've got a I literally had that happen. I went to synagogue about a month ago. I had a guy say, it's funny, I saw your YouTube on probate. You know, my father passed away. He's got some property in Nevada. He's got some property in Florida. Can you help me? Yeah, that's what I do. I do it all day long. So uh, I got asked, what's CY? Center of influence. Sometimes known as sphere of influence. Basically, or if you're a Keller Williams agent, you're Mets. I would say anybody that you know that you like them, they like you. If you called them on the phone, they wouldn't avoid you. If you left a message, they'd return the call. If you bump into them in the market, uh, they'd say hi to you. I call it the big five. So basically your COI or your center of influence or sphere of influence is, is the list of people that you know in your life that you could call and do business. And so if you, you want to make sure they know that you're interested in probate real estate, make sure they know that you're interested in real estate and it can help them. And when they find, when they have somebody who's in probate, lost, you know, somebody lost, uh, a loved one and has some real estate that needs to be uh, transitioned, 
that you want to be their go-to person. And then number 11 is the networking. And I'll just tell you guys, I became a probate expert two and a half years ago, and I made sure everybody knew when I went to network events, that was my area of expertise. And as a result, people would call me up with deals. People would ask about deals. Sometimes it had nothing to do with probate. It was interesting enough that probably half the referrals I get from people that I meet aren't even probate related. They know me as a probate expert. They assume that means that I'm not just a great realtor, but I'm a probate expert. So they said, we think if we specialize as an agent or wholesaler investor in something narrow that people think was just in the narrow, it's not true. It's the opposite. The more narrow your specialty, they assume you mastered the basics and in order to know the narrow. And that's the power of branding. Okay, so those are 11 ways that you can buy property in probate. And I just want to get that kind of out in, in a video format to share that it's not just listings. I'm a listing agent. That's my focus. But I try to help my clients who are, buyer, who are investors buy property all the time. And these are some of the techniques we use to generate listings and leads and, and properties that they can buy. And sometimes they just do it themselves or I'll help them wholesale it or something like that and get in the middle of it. And frankly, I've probably done more business like that this year where I got buyers and sellers together and just did an off-market deal and got paid than I have actually listing and selling property. It's gotten a lot easier. Okay, I talked a lot today and uh, I, I really like this call to be interactive. I think that's one of the things I want to make that's unique is that when you have questions, you can participate and get answers, not from somebody selling you anything. I've got nothing to sell you, uh, but somebody's actually a, a, a practitioner in the business. I do this every day. I'm a real estate agent talking to homeowners, sellers, petitioners, estates, and attorneys every day. So how can I help you guys? Who's got a question or a challenge I can help you with? I have a question. Actually, I missed um, number seven. If you don't mind sharing that again, I missed that on my notes. If you don't. Sure, iPad number seven was courthouse farming. And obviously that one's difficult today with COVID, uh, though I will say somebody on this call is from San Bernardino County and went to court. And, I, and again, I, I can't speak, this was last week, the court was open. She said, she texted me, uh, she was so appreciative that she said she was surprised there were no other realtors in the, in the building. There were attorneys there. She met a competitioner. Uh, she learned a lot, but more importantly, she got a couple of leads while she was there. So uh, again, I talked to people across the country. I'm not sure where you are. Um, I see your, your name is R. Madura. What's your first name? Is it Rachel? Rose. My first Rose. name is Rose, yeah. Rose. <laughs> yeah, Rose. and I actually have a more of a property management background. What percentage of probate do you run into, you know, um, the siblings or the family just deciding they're going to rent it outright? Is that... A, is that uh, reasonable to go there if you're in the property management background? So, you know, um, the business varies by, by county, right? LA County is very different than other counties in the country. Where are you located? Are you, are you in LA? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in Georgia. Oh, George, actually, now you're in Atlanta or where, are you, where in Georgia are you? I live north of town um, in Swanee, Lawrenceville area, okay. near Gainesville. Georgia, I would say Atlanta yeah. is a lot like Los Angeles. Okay. But where you are, I don't, I don't know where you are, to be honest. Uh, I, okay. I know a few parts of Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know Swanee. I've heard of the yeah. city, but I can't say I've ever been there. Have um, you heard of Duluth, Georgia? Yeah. The, Alpharetta? Duluth, yeah, Duluth yeah, for sure. in that area. I, again, I haven't been there. I, I've been to, to um, Buckhead and I've been to Atlanta. But I think Buckhead's in Atlanta. It's, it's a neighbor in Atlanta. It is, yeah. Yeah. 
So I haven't been around, I haven't been outside the city of Atlanta, but landed in Atlanta, been around the city a little bit and came home. So sorry, I can't really help you there. But but Atlanta and LA are about the same size probate and they're very similar from what I've seen and, and very restrictive court. Other counties I can't really speak to at all. But what I'd say is um, to answer your question, here in LA, very rarely, uh, either they keep the property and, and somebody's living in it, they want to keep in the property, most commonly one of the siblings, or they want to sell it. Very rarely is there a, somebody wants to rent the property. Um, because, um, and, and however, they'll often say they want to and say they plan to. And, and I was talking to William in the beginning, and often I've heard seen cases where they started to and they rent it and realized it's a little more work than it sounds. So now maybe using your service would help them avoid some of those problems and there would be a good solution for them. But, but generally the probate property that I deal with for the most part has very high equity. They're getting it on a stepped-up basis. So all that equity is tied up in the property. They're probably better off selling it and buying something else and getting leverage behind it than they are keeping it for the most part. But, um, you know. That so answers answer, my question. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have not... I don't, I mean, I've had people talk to property management, but I've never successfully read any referred business to property manager from probate. It just doesn't match up that well. Okay, good. Any other questions, comments, challenges, problems? Hey, Bill, I got a question for you. Um, yes, Cedric here from um, Connecticut. Hey, Cedric, um, what's up? A quick question. Um, you, you may have mentioned it, but I probably missed it on, um, MLS full authority and limited authority. Uh, what's the difference in the two of them again? Sure. Now the laws are different in California than Connecticut. So yeah. I'm sure the concepts are similar, but the, the terminology is probably different. Um, in California, we have some properties require court approval and other, and other properties do not require court approval. So those that don't require court approval, we refer to as full authority. And those that require court approval, we refer to as limited authority. The petitioner or the executor or administrator have limited authority to sell the property. They can enter a contract, but they need a court to approve the contract. Okay. Whereas uh, other cases, the vast majority of cases, um, the, the petitioner who's the executive administrator has full authority to sell the property. Now, where it comes into play is sometimes they have full authority, but they have to notify relevant parties of the intention to sell. And sometimes when the petitioner goes, and this is in California, again, I don't know what it's like in Connecticut, but for the rest of us in California, when the petitioner files a routine form called a um, um, notice of proposed action, saying, oh, we plan to sell the property to Joe Smith for $800,000, often comes out of the blue, one of the others goes, hey, you sold it too cheap. And they'll object. Sometimes there'll have to be a hearing over it. Sometimes it actually becomes litigated. So sometimes those full authority cases can end up being in a, minor, a small number of them, but it happens that the full authority cases end up being drawn out into full litigation. Gotcha, thank you. I think that explains it. Uh, I may have experienced a limited authority transaction inadvertently uh, right in the beginning of the, the pandemic. So um, that kind of explains it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, nobody really wants to get involved in that. You know, I, I had one where, uh, I mean, I was on both sides of it. When the, when the uh, pandemic broke out and they closed the court, I had uh, 25 
seller side transactions that were needed court approval. And I had um, three buyer side transactions that were in process that needed uh, court approval. And so the buyers, unfortunately, their money was just tied up until the court could get together and approve the transaction. And the seller side, similarly, they, they couldn't sell the property and get, and get paid until the, um, uh, until the um, you know, court reopened and, and was able to do, do the case. Now, the good news is, I would say the court, since they've reopened, has been much more liberal on the process of um, approving cases. I run statistics and I'll just share with you guys one of the, one of the highlights. Um, the, the percentage of approved cases um, has almost doubled from pre-COVID to now, meaning um, pre-COVID about half of the hearings of court uh, confirmation of sale got approved. And last quarter, 75% um, got approved, only 25% got um, denied or continued. And I think the court has really done its best to change procedures to make it easier for cases to get approved. And while they used to nitpick things, I think they realized that that just created more court visits and more people in the courtroom and things like that. And they've decided to kind of push things along a little bit, I think to everybody's benefit. Okay, hey, we're coming up on the five o'clock hour here. So we're gonna wrap up. Any last questions, anything else? If you guys wanna put any questions in the chat box, of course you can call me Let's just wrap it up, I guess. I'll say, call me, text me, email if you have any questions, um, and I'll get to it next week. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys' participation. William, as always, thank you so much. Cedric, nice to see you. And thank you, everyone. For, thank you. Thanks for participating. And thank Bill. you, Bill. Everybody. Appreciate your time. We do this every Thursday, 4 o'clock. It's probateweekly.com. If you want to see the past episodes, you can go to probateweeklyepisodes.com. Or if you want to hear it in podcast format, you go to probateweeklypodcast.com. We stream it live on Facebook and YouTube. Appreciate your comments. I try to answer them all. Love to have you join us sometime. And if I can help any way, Bill Gross, the, um, Bill at thelaprobateexpert.com. Thanks so much for your help today, guys. Thank All right. You. Thank you for your time. Bye.